Today I'm going to talk about spiritual warfare. Yeah, so here, I'm really excited about this. I was a little surprised. You know, we've taken this survey for years, and this is the first time and it's, it showed up at the top. But what that tells me is that as a church, you're maturing. Um, you know, we're five and a half years old. We've had over 17, I think 1,739 people give their life to Jesus for the first time in five years, five and a half. And so it's not all new believers, but there are a lot of new believers sitting in here today and throughout all three of our services. And so what I'm understanding is you're saying, okay, pastor, take me a little bit deeper. And so I'm really excited and proud about it. Now, today is not everything I know about spiritual warfare, nor can we talk about everything we know about spiritual warfare. Uh, If we were going to tackle this subject, it would take us weeks and probably months to really dive into what spiritual warfare is. So I want to lay a foundation for your expectation. Today, I want to give you just the basic understanding about spiritual warfare and so that you'll have a a foundation that, that today you say, okay, I get it. I understand it. And then my goal is for you to leave with some tools so that your life is better when you walk out these doors. Look, I never want to just give you information or speak the word of God without giving you some tools in your tool belt. So, t- tool belt, belt, your tool belt. Come on, that, that's southern draw right there, baby. Your tool belt. So that when you walk out of here, how many know I got to be better walking out than when I walked in? I need a few tools, Pastor, so that tonight and tomorrow and the next day, my life is better as I continue to pursue Jesus. And that's really what my goal is today as we tackle spiritual warfare. Now, with spiritual warfare, there are really two extremes that we see. We see on one hand, people who over-spiritualize everything. I mean, you know what I mean? It's that person that there's a devil behind every single rock. Anybody know what I'm talking about? Like something happens, well, it's the devil. Like you get in a wreck and you're like, well, the devil wrecked my car. You're like, no, baby, stop texting while you're driving and you won't get in a wreck. Come on, somebody, just let's put some practical feet to what just happened. You know, you're at, you're at a small group, and they, they done made them brownies, and it's the whole pan of brownies. And you walk over, and you get one. You go back, you go back, you get two. Before you, you done ate the whole pan of brownies. Someone says, girl, what happened? Oh, the devil made me do it. No, no, no. Come on. I mean, no, we just need a little bit of self-control. Ain't no devil involved in that. That's called appetite, and that's called lack of self-control. Students, you know, you're like, oh, man, I, I, I went and took this test, and I, I failed it. It's the devil's fault. Maybe not. Maybe you should have studied just a little bit. And if we study, we might actually pass the test. And so there's this over-spiritualization like it's, a, it's the de- everything that happens is the devil. Can I tell you, everything that happens is probably not the devil. A lot of things, there's, there's spiritual war, but it ain't everything. Come on. So that's one extreme. The other extreme is an under-emphasis on the spiritual That's someone that says, well, I can't see it. It doesn't really impact me. Uh, These are people that really kind of ignore the spiritual. I don't understand it. And and even if it exists, I don't know that it plays that big of a part in my life. And so they kind of ignore the things that are spiritual. Look, we can't fall on either side of the spectrum. How many know we need to find ourselves in the middle? Like, there ain't a devil behind every rock, but you got to know you are fighting demonic forces and the devil in your life. 
And so we got to get a biblical perspective. We got to get an alignment in our life. It's, it's kind of like you'd get an alignment with your vehicle. Anybody know anything about an alignment? Ladies, if you may not know what it is, it's when your car starts dri- Have you ever let go of your steering wheel and all of a sudden it starts to drift your car? You're like, whoa, it ain't supposed to go that naturally to there. It's supposed to stay straight. And you say, honey, baby, my car is drifting. Well, the men know, well, we need an alignment. I need an all-wheel alignment on the front end. And what's that do? That keeps me down the center. And I think sometimes as Christians, we got to wake up and we got to have an alignment. Look, not everything is the devil, but listen, there are things that are demonic. And so we can't fall into the, this, this lack of spiritualism in our lives. We've got to find the balance. And so this morning, as we start off, I want you to pull out your message notes. I'm going to go through a lot of scriptures, a lot of scriptures. Uh, you can go on the app. Most of the scriptures are on there. I added a few from last night to this morning, so you're going to get some better rev than last night. Whoop! You're going to get a little bit more. And so get some whoop, whoop. Yeah, that's my whoop, whoop. What's he doing? I don't know. Whoop, 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 whoop. <laughs> Second... Here we go, look. So we're going to dive into 2 Corinthians chapter 10, verse 3. And I want to start off in this, this, this chapter and verse says, For though we live in the world. I mean, no, we live in this world. So, so, so as Christians, you can't try to escapism is where, oh, I'm going to be raptured one day. I'm just going to stay to my little bubble and just me and God and, and that's all. No, no, we live in this world. That means you're going to do life as people do life. And so we live in this world in the physical. We do not wage war as the world does. So I live in this physical world, but I don't battle the way the world battles. The weapons we fight with are not weapons of this world. And so as we dive in, you got to know there are two worlds. There's the physical world, but then there's the spiritual world. And so many times it's easy for us to focus on the physical, that, that what I can see, what I can taste, what I can touch, what I can feel. But there are two worlds, and those two worlds, we understand there is a war that is being waged. There's a war between good and evil, the kingdom of darkness, and the kingdom of light. I can get an amen right there. There's, there's two opposing forces that are battling in this world, and we're called to fight in the battle. But what you got to understand is we don't fight with natural weapons. So what do you mean, Pastor? That means, look, we're not getting machine guns. We're not getting knives. We're not getting planes. We're not getting tanks. We're not battling in the way that natural people battle a natural battle. But there are some weapons that we have. And at the end of this message, I'm going to talk about four of them so that you walk out of here ready to wage the war that we find ourselves in. Now, right now, I just want to lay a foundation. So I want to get the groundwork started. Think about this. If I'm in a battle and we're reading about this war that's being waged, how many know if I'm fighting in a battle, I need to know the enemy that I'm fighting? So you don't want to go into a battle not knowing anything about your enemy. You want to learn the tactics of your enemy. You want to know who you're fighting. Why? Because I can get a strategy to beat them when I know who I'm fighting. So the first thing you got to know is that we are fighting the devil. The devil is real. That as people look, it is demonic forces that we are fighting. Look, Ephesians chapter 6 verse 12 says, For our struggle is not against flesh and blood. Look, you're not fighting against somebody who's breathing and got a pulse. Listen to me. You're not fighting your boss. Some of you say, yeah, but pastor, if you knew my boss, if you knew what he said and how he, in fact, I don't even think he likes me. He wants to get me fired. Look, I get it. He may not like you. 
He may be the one that's talking crazy to you. He may be the one that's, that's, that's being aggressively attacking in your life. But you got to know you're not fighting your boss. Look, if you're an employer, you're not fighting your employees. Yeah, but they're stealing from me. You're not fighting your employees. And some of you, look, you got to notice you're not fighting your spouse. Yeah, but pastor, I feel like I'm fighting my spouse. I'm, I'm going to beat my, you know, it's like, come on. The, the words they say, pastor, if you knew how bad they hurt me. Yeah, yeah. I know it's their words that hurt you. I know that their actions hurt you. But you got to look beyond what you can see and realize there are demonic forces and the devil that is using them to try to destroy your life. You're not fighting. Look, you're not fighting the person that cuts you off in traffic. Come on, somebody. You, you, know, you know, kids, you're not fighting your parents. Yeah, but if you knew how bad my parents treated me, what they said, you're not fighting your parents. We're not struggling against flesh and blood, but look at what it says, but against rulers, against the authorities, against the powers of this dark world, and against the spiritual forces of evil in heavenly realms. Spiritual warfare is understanding that the devil is real. I am fighting against the devil and demonic forces. And here's what I have people say. Well, pastor, look, I I get that, but I don't even know if the devil's real. Like maybe the devil's just made up this figment of our imaginations, just this character that we use to explain evil away in the world. Well, well, why would you say that? Well, because I can't see him. Well, I mean, you know, if I can't see him, it must not be real. What I would tell you is, can you see air? Yes or no? It's not a trick question. You're like, pastor, I graduated high school 18 years ago. Good Lord. I don't know. I don't know. No, you can't see air. But it's like the haze in this room. How do you know air is flowing? Because it's not the Holy Spirit. That's haze. Just haze. I mean, it could be. But we see haze just kind of blowing. Have you been outside? You see leaves and branches blowing. Now, I can't see the wind, but I can see the effects of wind. So you can't see gravity, but there is a law called the law of gravity that if I step off this stage, I'm going to float. No, what am I going to do? I'm going to fall. Yeah, but I don't believe in gravity. What would you tell me? So what? Try it and see. Just jump off the stage, Pastor. See how that, see how that works for you. Let, let me ask you this. Can you see love? Just grab love. Somebody grab love. All my young adults, you chasing love. Get it. Just grab love. Just, I'm looking for love. No, no. You can't see love, but how many know you can see the effects of love? So I know when love exists because of the way you talk to me, the way you treat me, the way you love on me. The way, so, so the love is seen through an expression of actions. Here's what I would say. Even though you can't see the devil, how many know you can see the effects of the devil? Look at the hatred that's being spewed out of people's mouths. No matter what your political view is, no matter what your race is, whatever your gender is, there's hatred going across the aisles. That's why the church, I love our church. I think this is what heaven looks like. Black, white, red, yellow. All of us coming together, men and women, young and old, saying, no, 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 we're going to love. Why? Because the effects of the devil are not going to be felt in this church. And so you got to say, look, I, I, I can't see him, but I can see the effects of the reality of the devil in this world. And look at where Revelation chapter 7, verse uh, 12, verse 7 says it began. It began in heaven. There was a war in heaven. Michael and his angels fought against the dragon. So Michael is God's archangel fighting against the dragon. The dragon is the devil. And the, the dragon and his angels 
So the Bible says that a third of angels followed suit after Satan. And so this is a war that we see taking place in heaven. It says the devil and his angels fought back, but he was not strong enough. How many know the devil cannot beat our God? I get a good amen right there. It says... And they lost their place in heaven. The great dragon was hurled down, that ancient serpent called the devil or Satan who leads the whole world astray. So that's his goal is to lead this world astray. It says he was hurled to the earth and his angels with him. So the devil is running rampant on this earth. And those angels are fallen angels. Now we call them demonic spirits. And they're on this earth as well. And so they are real. And we have to understand that the devil and demonic forces are real. The second thing we need to know is that the devil is at war with us. It's not just God. So at the beginning it was God. But now he hates everything that God loves. He's going to try to steal the worship that God deserves, which is what I love about Christianity. See, see, Jesus came and died for us so that he would win back for God what belongs to him. Who is that? That's us. And so we, we worship God, and the devil's trying to steal God's worship, and then he's trying to destroy everything that God loves. And so you've got to know, look, the devil's coming after you. He hates you. He hates me. That's why he tries to fill your heart with depression and anger and bitterness. He's trying to put sickness on your life. He's trying to, you know, force a divorce in your, in your marriage. He's trying to rob the destiny of your kids. He's trying to string you out on drugs. Why? Because he came to steal, kill, and to destroy everything that God loves. And so you have to understand, so, because what we can think is, well, that's just between God and the devil. Like, they can go battle it out, go, go do it up in heaven, God, do your thing. I'm good. No, no, no. We are caught in the middle of this war. You with me? Third thing you've got to understand is that the devil has power. The devil has power. You know, don't, don't sleep on the devil. Now, the devil does not have greater power than God. And the truth is, the devil only has power in our life that we give him. And so as a Christian, I know he's got power. I'm not afraid of him, but I also don't minimize the fact that he does have power. You have to understand that he has power. The, the Bible says he's the God of this world. In Ephesians chapter 2, 2, it says, you used to live in sin. So he's talking to Christians. Just like the rest of the world, obeying the devil. So, so anybody who is not a follower of Jesus Christ ultimately is serving Satan. Do you understand? Like there's only two kingdoms in this world, the kingdom of God and the kingdom of Satan and darkness. And he says they're obeying the devil, the commander of the powers in the unseen world. He is spirit and at work in the hearts of those that refuse to obey God. So what does that mean? That means, look, he, he hates us. He hates you. He's got power and he's doing everything he can to try to destroy what God has built and established. Now, you have to know this. The devil's power is illegitimate. So Jesus, when he died on the cross, he took back the keys to death, hell, and the grave. He defeated the devil. And so now that he's here on earth, he's working illegitimately trying to destroy all that God has saved and ransomed. Are you with me? So that's why, look at what John 10, 10 says, the thief, look, if it was legitimately his, why would he have to come in and steal like a thief? Because it don't belong to him. He can only have what we give him. It says he comes to steal, kill, and to destroy, but I've come that you might have life and have it to the full. So understand this, he's got power, but the devil's been defeated. 
Let me say that again. He's got power, but the devil's been defeated. Look at what it says, Revelation 1.18. This is what I just said. It says, I am he who lives and was dead. Now, I love, there's so much power in this verse. I am he, this is Jesus, who lives. So, so you got to know Jesus is alive. So you can go to Jerusalem. You go look for him in the tomb. He's not in the tomb. Nobody stole his body. He was resurrected from the dead. So not Buddha, not Muhammad, not any other God. All the other ones are on shelves or in the graves. But Jesus is alive. Jesus is alive. I love it. He says, so, so I was dead. I did die, but I'm not dead anymore. I'm alive forevermore. And it says, look, I have the keys of hell and death. Pastor, what are you saying? This is the funny part. So, so as a Christian, look, look, the devil's got a house. He ain't even got the keys to his own house. Come on, somebody. How, how would you feel if somebody just come whooped your tail, stole your keys, I said, yeah, yeah, you could stay here, but this ain't even you. I own this house. That's what Jesus did. His blood saved us through the atonement, but he whooped the devil's butt. <laughs> the devil don't even have keys to his own house. And so understand, look, like he's real, all that, but, but we are Christians. We are believers, and the power of God is on the inside of us, so we don't live like others live. We understand that we don't fight for victory. We fight from victory. I know I say that a lot, but this is why I say it. God has already won the battle. And when you understand that, it changes your perspective. 1 John 4, 4 says, you, dear children, are from God and have overcome them because the one who is in you is greater than the one that is in this world. So if you're sitting out there this morning and you're a believer, God inside of you is greater than anything on the outside. So every trial you walk through, every circumstance you pass through, any tough situation, you got to know you've already got the victory and the power of God is already on the inside of you. And look, I I understand some of you, listen. You know, going through and preparing for this, this message, I really have been heavy. Some of you, I get it. Look, you, you feel like, God, I don't feel you. God, my life is really tough right now. My marriage, God, I know I got a smile on my face, but my heart is broken. Your kids, you raised them right. You put them in church, and now they're, they're strung out on drugs. They're in relationships. You know, and they know they're not supposed to be in your job. You did everything right, and they still fired you. Life hasn't been easy, and even right now, look, look, I get it. We're talking about spiritual war. We hollered, woo! It's, but what you have to understand is it's not about what we feel. It's about what we know, and that's what today's all about. It's, I got to get it from here to hear. Look, you are not alone in your battle. God will never leave you and he will never forsake you. Look at Hebrews 13, 5. God has said, I will never fail you. I will never abandon you. God, it feels like you abandoned me. Listen, God has never left you. God has never abandoned you. It doesn't matter what you feel like. If you will keep moving forward, you will see God in your situation. He doesn't leave us. He doesn't forsake us. He never leaves and fails us. And there's a great story. I love this story in 2 Kings. It's very interesting here. We have the king of Aram trying to destroy Israel and God's people. 
And uh, you don't have to know a lot about this story. I'll give you enough context if you're not familiar with it. But the king of Aram is trying to destroy Israel. And, and, and every time he has a strategy or a plan to destroy God's people, the prophet hears from God what that king is going to do and then tells the king of Israel, hey, this is what he's going to do. You need to move. You need to go here. You need to do this. So the king of Aram's plans keep getting frustrated. How many know it's nice to have a hotline to God on the devil's tactics? And so here we see that happen. And so the king of Aram, he's mad. He's frustrated. You go back and read it. It's crazy. He's like, who is in my war room telling the enemy the strategy that we are coming up with to defeat them? And the man, one of the servants, speaks up and says, look, king, king, it's not us. Israel has a prophet. And that prophet hears from the God of heaven the strategy that you say in the room and then tells them. Now, I, I, I love that because then, then what happens is this man, he's like, look, let's don't go after Israel. I'm going after the man who hears from God. Because, and so he takes an army to go surround a city to kill the prophet. And that's what the enemy does in your life. Look, if the enemy can keep you from hearing God, he can keep you from experiencing victory. And so he goes to surround the prophet. Look at, look at what happens with Elisha in, in verse 15 of 2 Kings 6. When the servant of the man of God, so they're, they're in the city, Elisha and his servant, the king sent this army to go and surround them and to really kill him so that he could defeat Israel. It says, the servant got up and went out early the next morning. An army with horses and chariots had surrounded the city. So the servant's like, what? We, there's an army around us. And so he goes back to the prophet. He said, oh, my Lord, what should we do? What are we going to do? He's freaking out. The servant asked the prophet. He said, don't be afraid. The prophet answered, those who are with us are more than those who are with them. So, so imagine this. The, the, the servant is like, man, I'm freaking out. Hey, do you see this? And the prophet's just like, hey, don't even worry about them. Those who are with us. And, and the servant's like, what are you talking about? Hello? It's the natural, like, I, I don't see God moving. I don't see any victory. I don't see anything around. And he says, look, those who are with us are far more than those that are with them. Look at what he says. Elisha prayed, oh, Lord, open his eyes. Let him see. Let him see what? That the physical is not all there is. Let him see what? Let him see that I, the Lord, am fighting this battle. So, so look, what, what we got to do, some of you are in the battle of your life. You've been surrounded by the enemy. You feel like defeat is imminent. What I would say is say, God, open up my eyes. It says, then the Lord opened the servant's eyes, and he looked, and he saw hills full of horses and chariots of fire all around Elisha. You're never alone in your battles. God has never left you. He's never forsaken you. He will never, ever, ever leave you. And when you understand that, then you say, okay, that's great. I got these foundations. The devil's defeated. God's given me victory. I'm not alone. I can do this. How do I fight? I'm glad you asked. There's four things that we can do this morning to start fighting spiritual battles that were waged in our life. The first one is this. The weapon that we have is the greatest weapon that you'll ever use, it's the name of Jesus. The name of Jesus. Somebody say, what do you mean the name of Jesus? The name of Jesus. So when you're walking through stuff, what do you say? Jesus. 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 Look at what it says in Philippians chapter 2, verse 9. Therefore God exalted him 
to the highest place and gave him who Jesus, the name that is above every name, that at the name of, that at the name of, every knee should bow. Some knees, just the ones that believe in him, just those who are Christian, every knee will bow. And look at what it says, in heaven and on earth and under the earth. Every knee, every tongue will acknowledge that Jesus Christ is the Lord to glory, all glory to God the Father. Since we got to know, Jesus, Jesus, the name of Jesus is so powerful. I, you, Phyllis and I have started a habit over the last couple of years where we dinner together as a family four to five times a week. And so if you don't do that, I would encourage you to do it. It's, it's always difficult to make your schedules align, but... We've been able to do it, and so I'm so gracious because, or glad, Phyllis actually has dinner ready by 6. It's awesome. And, and so then I leave the office about 5.30, 5.45, head home and pull into the neighborhood, and usually my kids are playing cricket. Who knew cricket was a sport? But it is. I'm just saying. should be soccer or football or something, right? Come on, somebody. Oh, yeah, the Texans came to the first service. I'm sorry, all the fans. They, uh, so, so, so they're out there playing cricket, and I say, hey, what's up? It's good. Last week, in fact, I drove by, said hi to my kids, and pulled into the house and came and kissed Phyllis, said, hey, baby, it smells good. I said, food is almost done. She said, in fact, dinner is ready. And Addison was in the house. And so uh, she, Phyllis said, why don't you go get the boys? Well, you know, a dad, if, if mom told me to go get the boys, I'm going to call Addie. Hey, Addie, come see, baby. Go, go get your brothers. Come on, somebody. Like, let Addie do all the work. She's such a go-getter. And so I'm going to send her out to go get the boys. And it was funny. She goes out, and I didn't think anything of it. And she came back. And I said, where are your brothers? She said, they didn't come. I said, well, why didn't they come? She said, they, I don't know. They just didn't listen to me. I said, come here, sweetie. I said, why don't you go tell your brothers, daddy said, dinner is ready. See, you may not have been using the right words. You might have just been saying, hey, go, go, you did No, 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 no. Go in there, and you tell them, boys, daddy said. And then you go tell them to come on. And it was funny. I was peering out the door, and she went and did that. And it was funny. Carson and Caden, they dropped the bat, the balls. They looked over, and they just started running to the house. Why? Because there is power in the name of daddy in the Kyle's family. Come on, somebody. You know the fear of God thing? You know what I'm talking about? You know why? Because daddy's got that power in his house. This world is the house of God. And daddy said the name of Jesus is greater than any other name. That comes against us. So what are you saying, Pastor? Cancer has to bow at the name of Jesus. Diabetes has to bow at the name of Jesus. Fear has to bow at the name of Jesus. Anger has to bow at the name of Jesus. Lack has to bow at the name of See, sometimes we can pray, and what we do is we say, God, I just, I need you to help in this situation, and prayers are awesome, but why don't we take it up to the next level and say, lack, I command you to go in the name of Jesus. So it's, it's, it's that extra, it's like, oh, I didn't, I didn't realize it's a weapon. It's a weapon that God has given us to bring victory in our lives. Second weapon we have is the Word of God. So the Word of God is a weapon. Look, Ephesians chapter 6, verse 14. Uh, this is the, 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 chapters, uh, the chapter and verses that talk about the armor of God. It says, stand firm then with the belt of truth 
buckled around your waist with the breastplate of righteousness in place and with your feet fitted with the readiness that comes from the gospel of peace. So this is all the armor of God that we as Christians have. And I encourage you, if you want to go deeper in spiritual warfare, to study this chapter and verse. Get a life application study Bible. It's what I use. Love it. It'll help you go deeper in this. So fit your feet with the readiness that comes with the gospel of peace. In addition to all of this, take up the shield of faith, which you can use to extinguish all flaming arrows of the evil one. Take the helmet of salvation and the sword of the spirit, which is the word of God. So it's a weapon that we have. Now, it's interesting in all the armor of God that we hear about in Ephesians chapter 6, the sword of the spirit, which is the word of God, is the only offensive weapon we have. So what do you mean? That means I can actually make the attack. I can actually go out and attack the enemy with this offensive weapon. And here's the challenge that I see in the church is that the devil has lulled us to sleep in such a way that most people, not mo- well, I'm not going to say most, but a lot of people that I talk to when I say, hey, how's your Bible study going? Are you reading the Bible? Well, I read the Bible every couple of days. So you mean to tell me we are in a spiritual warfare with the forces of darkness and the forces of good, and we're not even picking up the one offensive weapon which is the word of God on a daily basis and we wonder why we live defeated so it's not about like I I can make time look if you're in a battle come on somebody if I'm in a war and I'm in trenches and the enemy is right there and it was in the natural how many know I'm not only getting a sword I'm getting machine gun like I'm I'm getting whatever weapon is available to me and I'm fighting the enemy and what we do in essence is we go on the battlefield but we forget the sword how can you use what you don't know? And so many Christians, so, so here's what I would challenge us with. Look, so the enemy's not going to rob you of your eternal salvation. He can't do that. But what he will do is cause you to live defeated here on this earth. Oh, I made it into heaven. I don't know about you. I don't want to make it to just make it to heaven. I want to bring heaven to earth. Victory, victory, victory. I, I want everywhere we go that God's kingdom is advancing and it happens in our life because of the word of God. And I love what Hebrews chapter 4 verse 12 says that it's not even, see some people think what's just a book. No, the word of God is alive and active. It's sharper than any double-edged sword. That God's word, there's there's something inside it. That's how come you can read a scripture and I can read a scripture and we get two totally different things and both are just as relevant. Because he's speaking to us through his word. And so I want to challenge you. If you're not reading the one-year Bible, that's what I do every day. The one-year Bible. There's, there's an Old, uh, Old Testament, New Testament, Psalms, and Proverbs. You go to the Bible app. You can download it. That's the one I use. I've got a paper version, and I've got the one on the Bible app. And it's a beautiful diet. It takes about 15 minutes to get some Old Testament, to get some New Testament, get a Psalm and a Proverb, and it feeds your spirit. And then when God speaks to you, just write down the verse that stuck out to you and just meditate. Why? Because God is probably equipping you for the battle that you're either facing now or the battle that you're going to face. It's the word of God. It's one of our weapons. The third thing is prayer. Prayer. So, so prayer is a weapon that we use as Christians to fight in this spiritual battle. See, when we pray, heaven opens up. When we pray, heaven comes to earth. Our circumstances change when we pray. 
And, and, and I love the story in Daniel. It's Daniel chapter 10, verse uh, 12 through 14. Uh, we see the story of Daniel. He had a vision, and he needs the interpretation of this vision. And so he begins to pray, God, I need you to answer this prayer, to give me the answer to this thing that is vexing my soul. And look at what happens. In verse 12, it says, don't be afraid, Daniel. This is an angel that actually is visiting Daniel in response to the prayer that he prayed since the first day. Everybody say first day. You begin to pray for understanding and you begin to humble yourself before God. Your request has been heard in heaven. I've come, so this is the angel, I've come in answer to your prayer. But for 21 days, so think about it. Daniel prays. He's, he's, he needs an answer to this prayer, and for 21 days, that means not on day two, not on day three, not on day four, or day seven, or day 18, or day 20, but on the 21st day, the spirit of the prince, he says, but for 21 days, the spirit of the prince of the kingdom of Persia blocked my way. So, so this is what we know. The answer was released on the first day. Some of you, you stopped praying because you felt like God didn't do anything, but I need you to know that the answer was released the first moment you prayed. That the moment you prayed for God to move in that situation, heaven is not sitting idle like, oh, well, maybe God's like, well... Let's see, I don't know if today's going to be your daily, any, many, miny, mo. No, God said from the first moment you prayed, angels left on assignments. And I believe this, what happens is the enemy causes us to quit because we didn't get the answer. And so it's not that it wasn't on its way. It's not that God didn't move. It's that we didn't see it. And the enemy robbed us of the victory that God has for your life. The moment you prayed. Then look, it says, then Michael, one of the archangels came to help me and I left him there with the spirit prince of the kingdom of Persia. Now I'm here to explain what will happen to your people in the future for this vision concerns a time that has not yet come. So, so what am I saying? Look, prayer is far more powerful than you know. So, but I don't feel it. Look, it's not about your feelings. But, but I don't see God moving. It's not about what you see in the physical. It's what we see in the spiritual that maybe you can't get a hold of right now. But it, it goes back to you got to take it from here and put it here. I got to know that, God, you hear the prayers that I pray. God, you are attentive when I cry out to you. Look at 1 John 5, 14. It says, this is the confidence we have in approaching God. So in approaching God, believers, listen. You have confidence that if we ask anything according to his will, he hears us. Well, pastor, how do I know his will? Well, you got to go back to read the Bible. The more you read the Bible, the more you understand God's promises. The more, yeah, but that takes a lot of work. Yeah, it does. But the question is, do you want to live defeated or do you want to live in victory? Nothing that is worth anything is cheap. It's going to cost you something. You're going to have to fight. Yeah, but I don't want to fight. Okay, well then live defeated and, and just make it into heaven. We're not raising up a church full of pitiful, defeated Christians. We're raising up a church full of powerful, victorious men and women of God that understand the Bible. Doesn't do us any good just to come and have a pep rally if we can't live this out. 
Like, like, like the litmus test is not gathering these masses of people, which I believe God will call us to do. It's are you living this out in victory Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday? Here's the question. Did heaven come to earth in Rosenberg in the Fort Bend County? Like our lives being changed, our marriages being healed, our people being saved, or the blind being, the eyes open. In fact, three weeks ago, I don't even know if you know this, but there was a miracle. Someone had, his ear was deaf, and in the middle of the end of worship, it was at the end of worship, he was worshiping God, and his ear opened up. God healed his ear in worship. <laughs> Miracles are happening. Sicknesses are being healed, and, and that's, that's what you got to understand. Well, how does that happen? Through spiritual warfare. How does that happen? The body of Christ understanding. We're not playing a game. This is life. This is real. And we can't ignore the spirit realm that, that really impacts the world that we live in. So, so your prayers are powerful. The fourth thing is this. The fourth weapon. Now there's other. You need to go and do more extensive study. I just wanted you to have four that you could walk out with, and that's worship. Worship. Worship is a weapon that we can use to fight the enemy. I want to show you a story in 2 Chronicles chapter 20, verse 15. This is a story where Jehoshaphat is fighting against Moab and Ammon. And these nations are trying to destroy him. And they're coming against him. And, and, and he prays to God. Jehoshaphat feared God. And he was a king in the Old Testament. And so he's crying out to God. And he says, God, I need you to help me. There's a vast army that is looking to destroy your people. And so he cries out, God, help me. Have you ever felt like that? Like, like your world was falling apart? Like there ain't nowhere else to go? See, see, the goal is that you know where to turn when you feel surrounded. And so Jehoshaphat, he knew, look, man, we're, we're not going to make this if you don't intercede, God, if you don't move on our behalf. And so he prays to God, and there's a prophet. Back then, see, God spoke to prophets, but, but that was in the Old Covenant, the Old Testament. Now in the New Covenant, since we have a relationship with God, you don't need your pastor to tell you everything. God will actually speak to you. Yeah. And so, but back then, it, it, that's not how it happened. It was the prophet. So he says, the prophet says, look at what the Lord has said. Listen, King Jehoshaphat. And all who live in Judah and Jerusalem, so all of God's people, this is what the Lord says to you. Don't be afraid or discouraged because of the vast army, for the battle is not yours, but it's God's. So, I mean, can you imagine, like, if I'm Jehoshaphat, I'm like, whoa, whoop, 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 like, whoa. Come on, God, because, you know, here he prays and the God of heaven hears. And not only did he hear his cry, but he actually brings an answer of what he's going to do. So the prophet is the voice of God. And he tells Jehoshaphat, look, God's going to bring a victory. But Jehoshaphat, what I need you to know is the battle is the Lord's. It's not yours. So something amazing happens. Jehoshaphat knew how to fight battles. He fought many battles and waged many wars. But on this occasion, when the Lord has said the victory is already yours, Jehoshaphat uses a strategy that's very unique. He actually takes the people that lead in praise and worship and he puts them ahead of the people who fight with spears and swords in the front. And look at what he says in verse 21. It says, Jehoshaphat appointed men to sing to the Lord and to praise him for the splendor of his holiness as they went out ahead of the army. Jehoshaphat, what are you doing? Like you're in a battle. You mean you got people that sing? Like what is this, a concert? I mean, that, that's why, look, I, 
I don't, I can't speak for all of the churches, but for this church, we're not here to entertain you. These are not just songs we're singing that are the, 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 we are here to worship the King of Kings and the Lord of Lords. Well, pastor, they missed a note or missed a, I don't care. That, that, the litmus test of success here is not did they get everything perfect and they get it pretty perfect. It's did the presence of God visit this place? That's the whole, it's, why? Because I need you to have victory in the middle of your battle so that whatever you're walking through, you say, oh my God, I know I can get to a place where I can worship and the battle can be won. That's why I look, don't show up late. I know it's 11.15 and I'm just thankful you showed up. But don't say, well, I'll catch pastors preaching. You don't need my preaching. You need the worship. Why? Because you got to fight your battle. I can't fight your battle. Only you can fight your battles. <laughs> look at what it says. So they went ahead. Praise him for the splendor of his holiness as they went out ahead of the army. It's saying, so they're saying, give thanks to the Lord for his love endures forever. So they just give thanks. Why, but, but why are they giving thanks? Like the battle's not won. Like they're surrounded by the enemy. No, no, no. You worship before the victory. So just we give thanks, God. Like you said it, you'll do it. And the challenge, if I could be honest, some of you, you know God said it, but you don't really believe it. So it's like, yeah, I've been disappointed in the past. Yeah, yeah, don't let disappointment rob you of the victory God's already bringing on your behalf. Look, as they began... As they began, as they began, not before, not early, look at what it was, as they began. So when they began to sing and praise, the Lord set ambushes against the men of Ammon and Moab and Mount Seir who were invading Judah. And look at what it says, they were defeated. Here's the amazing part. When they began. No, 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 it's not just lining. When, when did the victory come? It came when they began to worship. So victory comes when we worship. Look, it's not just about, well, I'll praise you when I get victory. No, 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 no. You, it's the wrong perspective. That's the physical. You got to get into the spiritual. Victory is already on its way. So I worship now. I praise now. I do it now. I don't have to wait. 